You're listening to Supply Chain Radio. My name is Matt Gunn, and I am here today with Guy Cortan. Guy, hello. Matt, how are you? Doing well for a rainy day in New York. Oh, while it's, recording uh, I, I feel like a drowned rat. It is definitely a wet and crazy day here in New York City. And you just experienced something that a lot of people run into when the weather gets bad or when no one wants to be outdoors. But you took an Uber from one location to the next and you got hit with surge pricing. I did. I did. And what was interesting is because it is absolutely downpouring out there and everybody's trying to get an Uber or a cab. Yes, I got slapped with some surge pricing to go about seven blocks. (laughs) So you end up paying about twice what? Yeah, uh, I paid about sixty bucks to go seven blocks. If you had joking, plan- joking. <laughs> if you had planned ahead, maybe could you have avoided this? If I had just worn the proper attire, I could have walked. But proper attire, I mean, I looked like a Gordon's fisherman <laughs> or that. But this brings up an interesting idea here, because surge pricing certainly has been well introduced to the general public through apps like Uber, who, when demand is high especially during events or weather patterns or whatever. When when there's a lot of demand on their vehicles, they'll charge a premium for the service. Correct. Surge pricing. Other places uh, utilize similar models. Mostly in the B2C world is where we've talked about in the past, but it's not exactly something that is going to stay that way. Let's talk about an idea that we've seen floated out there regarding surge pricing and logistics. Yes. Well, there was an interesting article that came out recently in the Wall Street Journal that talked about UPS in particular, but other delivery companies applying the same model in terms of surge pricing and pushing back on retailers who are using these you know, last mile fulfillment companies, for lack of a better term, to deliver products to you and I as consumers. And it's, it's absolutely that surge pricing model where what UPS is trying to do is to, I don't want to say necessarily punish retailers, but to incentivize retailers, if you will, to be more attuned with their forecasting for their online deliveries, with their last mile deliveries, with their parcel packages, things of that nature. And when you think about it, you know it does make a lot of sense because obviously companies like UPS and FedEx have a certain amount of capacity that they want to utilize. And like here we are in New York City, I mean, you know, there's just so much capacity in the trucks you can actually put on the road. And if the retailers are sort of passing on to UPS and FedEx, you know, sort of the cost if they overestimate packaging on e-commerce type deliveries. All of a sudden now UPS is going out there with trucks that are half full. UPS is still running the route, but, you know, they're not maximizing what they could have otherwise maximized with other parcels or different routes, things like that. So I think it's an interesting play. I think what's interesting for us that we look at is... Does this speak in terms of retail and CP and others to a bigger issue, which is really around this concept of the entire network? Right. Now, this is a very interesting thing because there is certainly a pretty well-established inbound network for all of these players, right? Retailers or CP or whoever, they, they try to be very repeatable. They try to be very accurate with anything that's coming into their own distribution centers or their own stores. They've got that stuff buttoned down. But yeah, that does speak to a glaring hole, this extension of the network, if you will. And it seems to me that it's sort of a growing pain of this trend toward the consumer centricity. Correct. Uh, The consumer having all the power and, of course, being able to shop through more places than just a store. And the consumer expecting whatever brand or retail he or she is interacting with 
to be able to fulfill anywhere and everywhere and to do so without even, I don't want to say consideration of cost, but it's all about, for the consumer, it's all about ease of use, reduction of friction, convenience, if you will. So now the burden gets passed on to, right now, guys like UPS and FedEx and the U.S. Postal Service and DHL, whomever else you want to talk about. And the question becomes, what's the responsibility of the retailer or the CPG firm to help mitigate risk, to help reduce costs, to help make this as seamless as possible? Because at the end of the day, in my opinion, like folks like UPS aren't going to constantly and they're obviously in this article sort of demonstrate that they're not going to just take it and just say, well, yes, we'll happy your business and we'll absorb the costs and, and things of that nature. Because again, they have a finite asset, right? They have a certain amount of trucks, they run a certain amount of routes, they have a certain amount of capacity. And it's not as if there's a shortage of stuff to put on those trucks. So if, if one particular retailer overestimates how much capacity they need and UPS allocates it to them and then it's not fulfilled, that's a big issue. And I like to think about it from the customer's point of view, right? Because we all have run into this before where a package doesn't come when it's supposed to or it's it doesn't come at all. Right. To me or to a customer, that delivery is part of the overall retail experience itself. Absolutely. You don't separate it necessarily from the brand that you're buying it from. Yes, you're going to blame the UPS guy. You're going to blame the retailer. You're going to blame all kinds of other conditions for that, but you kind of lump them all into one and the same. It speaks to this idea that maybe there are deeper interconnections that perhaps retailers have thought about in the past. Is this, would you say, accurate? Absolutely. And I think something you and I have talked about in the past, which is the supply chain as a whole is what helps the brand, the retailer compete. So just because, air quotes here, the retailer isn't worried about how the fulfillment agent brings the package, you know, at the end, that's someone else's problem. No, that's not someone else's problem. That's part of your brand problem. To your point, in a way, that delivery person and that packaging that you get at your home or your office or wherever it is in a locker, that's your interaction with the brand. It's not just what's in it. It's the way it gets delivered to you. It's the efficiency. It's the utilitarian side of things like, hey, I want it delivered here, get it here within a certain time, right? That's all part of the experience. That's all part of the brand equity, if you will, of that retailer or that company. And I think if people lose sight of that, that's where I think you'll start seeing consumers in a way vote with their feet and their dollars, right? Because the the switching cost is so low in a way to say, well, I don't want to shop with you anymore because, you know, I ordered that GI Joe, the Kung Fu grip, and it was supposed to be here for my kid's birthday, but you are two weeks late. That's not a good experience. I don't care if you deliver it to me in a gold gilded package you need to deliver it within the time frame, And I'll go someone else who will do that because the product itself, while maybe in some cases might be unique, but in most cases I could probably find a substitute product. What does the total experience look like? What is the total way in which I got my product fulfilled look like? And it's not just the product, it's the packaging, it's the delivery, it's the time horizons, it's, it's all those things rolled into one. Right. It's the experience. And it does extend much deeper than simply putting a product in a box and and shipping it off. And I think that's something that, you know, I think it'd be interesting to watch from these these carriers like UPS and others. What is their strategy moving forward with some of this, right? Do they, because it's interesting, you, you, you look at, we haven't even mentioned them, but you look at Amazon, who's out there, 
you know, Bezos is out there now acquiring a shipping company and an air, airplanes to become an airplane delivery company, right? Well, and they've negotiated contracts with some of those carriers for the last mile. Whether it's UPS or others, they have these partnerships that they've established and probably pay money for in order to get those goods delivered on the day that a customer wants it, including on Sundays, which when I was growing up, it was unheard of to see a, a U.S. Unheard mail of. truck on a Sunday. Right, but now they've pushed the envelope on that. And I think... This now obviously adds, continues to add pressure to the FedExes and the others of the world to better themselves manage how they service other retailers who don't have their own logistics arm. And I think what we will see more of, and again, I think this goes back, I think the importance of this goes back to an ability to have a clear or a clearer view of the network. What we mean by that is, when an order is received, what's the cost? What are the routing costs? What's the total landing cost? And if all of a sudden we have greater integration of visibility between the carriers and the retailers and distribution centers and all, all what have you, will we be able to, in a way, I don't want to say avoid, but be more strategic when it comes to some of these things around what's my capacity plan? You know, what are my surge charge costs? All those things. Because at the end of the day, there's enough opportunity, I think, for the, everybody in the network to make money, but I think they can do so in a much more intelligent way if they can see better into each other's networks and things of that nature. And surges are real, and there is a cost to it. So, you know, you talk about surge pricing in a consumer service like an Uber, but if you are UPS or FedEx, you generally do try to plan around the times of year or the pockets where you know or anticipate that there's going to be a bump in traffic, a rise in need, the holiday season always comes to mind, right? So they ramp up holiday workers, they'll, you know, get more trucks on the road, run more hours, that comes at uh, cost for them. And they do want to recoup that, whether, you know, the retailers that are buying that capacity are meeting their forecast or not. And again, we all know that forecasting, this goes back to forecasting, we know that forecasting is exactly what it is, the forecast. It's, it's invariably going to be wrong most of the time, or at least not 100% right. And I think part of that, again, if we think about sort of a better networked view of the supply chain of distribution, is it something where all of a sudden you are able to anticipate these things quicker? Are you able to understand, you know, where things are going to fall short or you need more capacity? And it's like everything, right? If if you get on your plane and when you're on, once you're on your plane, the captain comes on and says, this flight's canceled. Well, now you're kind of in tough luck because now you have to scramble. And so if the captain could instead tell you an hour or two hours or three hours or a week ahead of time, hey, that flight's going to be canceled. Now you have recourse, right? You can change your action. You can take another flight. You can reschedule, things of that nature. And I think it's the same thing here, right? It's retailers who are invariably going to have wrong forecasts just because that's the nature of the beast. But if they can somehow be more collaborative with these you know, UPSs of the world, does that all of a sudden open it up where UPS doesn't necessarily have to do this kind of surge pricing and pass on the cost? They can do more anticipation of things. Or maybe they can change their, their business models, right? Hey, if you want maximum coverage and surge pricing, you pay a higher rate in general. If you're willing to take you know, sort of a discount rate, you might not get X, Y, and Z. You know, there's ways of then changing the business models, but it starts with that visibility. It starts with that network concept. It starts with that understanding of all the parts that are moving and, and what can happen at any moment and how you can anticipate and change it. 
Yeah, I think this is a pretty interesting topic. And I think it does start to change the perception of what the relationship is between these last mile logistics providers and the retailers themselves or the brands themselves. And I think that's a constantly evolving situation. I would, you know, and maybe this is, I'm being too... Too, uh, too out there with this, but I would say, you know, as long as retailers and these logistics providers are fighting these battles, I think they're going to lose sight of the big gorilla, which is, again, unfortunately, Amazon or fortunately, Amazon. I think that's the part that they need to resolve this, like pick your battles. There's a way around this. I think there's a way they can collaborate and do things better. I think it's an opportunity for both. My thought, just, you know, looking at this stuff quickly is also you know, the longer you spend trying to just nickel and dime each other on some of this stuff, you're going to lose out. You know, you're going to lose opportunity. Because in the, the day, it's also up to the customer, right? You and I and all the people listening, we don't care whether UPS is charging back company X for missing their forecast. What I care about is that company X's product gets to me when I've ordered it and there's a window of time it's supposed to get to me. I honestly, in a way, I do care if it does or it doesn't because it, it reflects on the brand but I'm not worried about what's going on in terms of the surge pricing behind or what have you. So I think they need to keep an eye on that ball too. Now I get it. They got to run a, you know, they have a bottom line to look at. They have PNLs to deal with and all that. But I think there's a need for them to figure these things out quickly and move on to the bigger issues, right? Bigger issues being flexible fulfillment, bigger issues being customer satisfaction, bigger issues around products and things of that nature. Let's keep focusing on that instead of worrying about, hey, is UPS going to charge me 10 cents more because I messed up my forecast? Certainly seems like there are some big challenges, but there is opportunity in this shift of mindset from you know each of these different players in the supply chain being their own islands, but maybe it's time for deeper collaboration and better information sharing across. I think it has to be collaboration. Obviously, is always a buzzword. It's key. So let's keep the eye on that, but let's try to... Again, easier said than done at times, but let's, I think for these guys, let's move past this and try to figure out quickly how we can resolve it because I think there is a, a relatively painless solution for all parties involved. But the longer they wait to get there, the bigger this will prevent them from doing other things. All right. Well, you're here to hear, folks. Be sure to find us on iTunes or your favorite podcast network. And certainly, if you do want to share a story or provide us a news tip, reach out at scr.podcast at infor.com. This has been another episode of Supply Chain Radio. Thanks for listening. <laughs>